What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Mo back with another episode of Up in Flames, and I have a familiar face on the show today for those of y'all that are going to catch this on YouTube. For those of y'all listening, I got my guy Max Van Auken back in the building from the Max Van Auken podcast. Max, what's going on, bro? How are you doing, man? I mean, just I'm watching you work, watching you grind, so it's always a pleasure to get back on your show and, uh, you're just growing. You're doing stuff with 2K now. You're doing stuff. You just every time I look at your Twitter page, you're always up to something new. So I appreciate you still giving me the time. No, one hundred percent. You know, I, you know, we. I always have this joke, bro. You're gonna get too big time to be on Up in Flames <laughs> one day. It's happening. You know, for people not familiar with your work, bro, you have interviews with everybody. You know, uh, you click type with Rashad Phillips. You talk to Chris Broussard. You go Instagram live with Ryan Hollins on the regular. So yeah. I'm glad that you have time to come on up in flames because I see you up to big things. So I know your future is very bright. So I'm glad to have you on here. So, you know, I want to get straight into it and I want to talk about CP three, a guy that you've been very, since I've been following you, you've been very high on have spoke pretty much nothing but great things about Chris Paul. And obviously like this is the, the playoff run he needed. This is kind of the, you know, him being in the finals is what we've been waiting to see his whole career. He's played for the Clippers and we thought it was possible. He went to Houston, you know, and outside of his injury, that question will always be there. You know, could he have won the championship had he not had, you know, got hurt and hurt his hamstring in game six? So he has a lot of injuries. Usually he gets injured around this time and we thought we were going to see it again. Uh, when he went down against the Lakers with the shoulder injury, we thought like, oh man, it's about, it's around that time. It gets to the playoffs and, it's not that Chris Paul holds, it's usually that he gets hurt. But now I think his legacy, I guess, does he need a championship to cement what we already feel about him and his legacy? Um, For me, no, he doesn't need it. I already think he's an all-time great point guard. He wins everywhere he goes. I even said even if he never won a championship, I thought it was more impressive to me that he was able to go to all these different organizations that the expectations were so low but yet you end up in the playoffs. You go seven games with Houston in the bubble. So for me, no. But for the people, I thought that's more impressive than ever winning a championship on a super team because I saw what he could do with so less. Um, but what most people would say is yes. So if you need that confirmation, he needs that ring, then yeah, then you'd say he does. For me, I already appreciated and I already valued what he already has to offer without the championship. I don't think you have to be you know, I don't think you have to win a championship to be an all-timer. I mean, look at Charles Barkley, look at Steve Nash. But when you do win one, when you're compared to the all-time greats, obviously you want a championship under your belt that's going to help your legacy. So to answer your question, for me, no. But for his CP3 and his legacy and how he's going to be viewed years, I think you and I actually talk about this. How are we going to mm -hmm. view him and Westbrook? And it's like, well, yeah. CP3 doesn't have a ring, but Westbrook has the triple-double. So future generations that may never see him play live he'll need this for his future legacy. So now he can say, oh, he won a championship. But if you never watched him play, future generations probably wouldn't appreciate or understand his value. Yeah. And so, like you said, we did talk about this and it was about the time, you know, when Russell Westbrook had, you know, confirmed that he was going to average a triple double. And that was kind of the, who, who do you have on the greater all time, you know, spectrum when we were talking about point guards. But for me, I don't think he needs the championship. I agree with you, but I think for everything that you said of why he doesn't need it is why I would say this championship would submit all of that because he goes to, he goes to organizations. I mean, he started off in new Orleans. 
obviously, you know, there was like no expectations coming out of uh, New Orleans when they were the Hornets at the time. And they were a competitive franchise. They were, you know, went to the playoffs a few times. They they became competitive that, you know, that uh pick and roll with him and, and Tyson Chandler. Like people forget about like that Hornets team was pretty good. And I think people forget how good Chris Paul was with the Hornets. It seems to me like when you when you talk about especially people our age, it seems like people only remember Chris Paul from the Clippers on. Like right. people don't remember how good he really was. Like I think at that time he was the best point guard in the NBA and he looked like he was going to be one of the best point guards ever. And so people forget about that time. And so they only talk about the Clippers and then they only talk about the Rockets. And then obviously now we're seeing him with Phoenix, what he did with OKC last year. And I was a guy when he went to Phoenix, well, when he went to OKC, I figured he was going to get bought out. And I looked as I was like, you know what? Carmelo's a free agent. I'm like him and Melo might go join, you know, LeBron and AD with the Lakers I was big on that, but then I'm starting to see, I don't think it's about a championship for Chris Paul. Like, I think it's about maximizing opportunity. Like, like I just, I think now he wants the championship, but I think he's trying to maximize the opportunity. Like I make organizations better. I take them the next step. I may not be that guy who's the difference in a championship, but I'm that guy who's a difference in bottom feeder of the league to a playoff. You've seen it with, like I said, you've seen it with everybody. They were bad organizations. The Clippers, Never won nothing. Uh, Phoenix has, hasn't won anything in what, like 50 years. Uh, it's been, it's been a while. They've been to the, uh, finals in 1993. I think was the last time they reached the finals. And then OKC, a team who, yes, they had a lot of success in a sense, no championships, but a lot of success with Westbrook and KD and Harden. But then they go and it's like when he gets there, Westbrook gone. They got Shy Gilgis Alexander. They look like they're rebuilding. So everybody's like, Oh, Chris Paul's, he's going to leave. It only makes sense. He got he went there, but he's going to get bought out. And so to see him take them from, you know, probably worst team in the league. And that was the expectation, even with Chris Paul, to the five seed in the Western Conference. And we talk about how loaded the Western Conference is. That says a lot. And then takes them to seven with the duo of James Harden and Russell Westbrook, you know, in Houston. Then he comes to Phoenix. And I know they looked. Here's why I don't like people trying to discredit Chris Paul right here is because they were eight. No, in the bubble. And they look like very promising, but there's no way you could tell me you thought they were two seed promising coming into the season. So that, that to me is the one thing about Chris Paul where they're like, I don't give Chris Paul the credit, but I said pre before the season, I said, Devin Booker, I don't think he's going to necessarily be the benefit of Chris Paul, but I think he's going to learn. He's going to learn how to be a champion, be a true pro and be a great. He's going to get that mindset. Deandre Ayton has benefited the most to me. From Chris Paul, what do you think about DeAndre Ayton's game? There's a lot different that you would agree with that statement if you do. No, I, I do. I certainly do. I agree with you. That's why when I said that Wi-Fi DNA when I first brought it up on USC, uh, um, SUV TV covering the 2020 NBA draft in Atlanta, and I said on Shad's draft show, I was like, "This is Wi-Fi DNA," and I've, I've explained it before on your show, I believe. And I said he's going to connect with. Devin Booker, and he's going to connect with DeAndre Ayton. You take a young, promising big in DeAndre Ayton who needed leadership. Now, Chris Paul can rub certain people the wrong way. So there were there was a chance that a young, up-and-coming player could just be completely rubbed the wrong way by Chris Paul, and they clash. But if mm-hmm. he were to somehow connect with Chris Paul, this is going to be so beneficial for him. And that's exactly what happened. The lobs, the open looks, but really the mental aspect of it all. 
Like Chris Paul had to have those heart to heart conversations with him and say, we need you to play every single night. Some nights you're showing that you're the number one overall pick. Other nights we don't even know you're on the floor. They've had those conversations. So when you start to get that consistency out of a young player, it takes a great, like Chris Paul, it takes a great leader to bring out that potential in him. And that's exactly what happened. I know we all like to look at the stats. We all like to look at the monster percentages, his efficiency numbers. But if you just look at his attitude towards the game, that's something that lasts a long time. You're going to go through slumps when it comes to numbers. You're going to have really good months, really good weeks, really bad weeks. But it's his consistency and his mentality is something that he got through Chris Paul. And so when you add that effect with Chris Paul and then you take the best player on the team and Devin Booker, you're starting to look at it like a team that knows their role and it's a championship level team. There's layers to this team because of Chris Paul. That's why I say he's the most valuable. And DeAndre Ayton, I said, if you look at the center position and uh, not Shad's positional dictionary, but just what the NBA lists as centers is like the Embiid's, the Jokic's, the Rudy Gobert's, the DeAndre Jordan's. De- DeAndre Ayton's the top five big. And so when mm-hmm. I said that on my podcast, I said that with Gerald Bourget from uh, Phoenix Suns lead reporter. I had him on my show and I told him, I'm like, DeAndre Ayton is a top five big right now. And how could you dispute that? What, like in 2021, you're big. You want to be able to move his feet, not a liability late, catch lobs, extremely efficient in the paint, good defensively, pick and roll offensively and defensively. He checks all the boxes. So to your point, I think DeAndre Ayton has benefited the most uh, through CP3. Yeah. And like you said, I think this will be a longevity thing um, with the benefit from Chris Paul. Like, I think guys will be like Shy Gilgis Alexander. I said he's going to benefit from playing alongside Chris Paul 10 years from now. I'm not saying whatever success Alexander has is going to be like, I have to thank Chris Paul, but it's a certain mentality. And it's a lot of players don't have this mentality. Like you talk about, like, I think mentally he's cut from the Jordan cloth, the Kobe cloth, where like it's winning at all costs. It's hard work. Even another guy that I think is cut from that cloth is Jimmy Butler. Not yep. to a great extent when it comes to game. I think he's the lesser end of that. But when you just talk about mentality, all those guys, they work harder than you. Their goal is they see the best and they see how hard he works and I have to work harder. I, I don't want to do, I want to win more than anything. And I think CP3 has that. And when he came and I looked at DeAndre Ayton and that was the biggest, like that was the biggest guy I was looking at. Cause I'm like, okay, look at what he's done with centers. Look at every center he's had in his career, starting with Tyson Chandler. Going to DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin. Then you go over to Clint Capella. Then you go to Steven Adams. DeAndre Ayton to me is the most talented center he's had in his whole career. And you look how I think a lot of he's elevated Tyson Chandler to me as good as he was. He was a lot better alongside Chris Paul. DeAndre Jordan the same. I know like he caught Chris Paul in the prime of his career. But I think DeAndre Jordan may not have been the exact same DeAndre Jordan we saw without Chris Paul at point guard. And I think Blake Griffin benefited the same way because that pick and roll, the perfect guy to throw those lobs. Then Steven Adams, he had like the best season of his career uh, last season alongside Chris Paul. And then you look at Aiton, and why would you say anything is different? And Aiton, to me, is the most talented, most skilled, and he was the most raw when you talk about age and Chris Paul getting him young where he doesn't have a lot of bad habits. I don't have to fix him up too much. I can build the perfect big man that I need to play alongside of me to be successful. So I think a lot of that, like guys our age, you'll have to look into a lot of that when you talk about CP3's legacy. Because mm-hmm. even one championship in today's age, when we talk about some of the greats, you know, we'll talk about in the time frame that he played, you had Kobe, you had LeBron. Then later on, you had your Steph and, and Kevin Durant, 
Kawhi Leonard. So it's like he doesn't have that many championships, but I don't want him to be looked at in the mellow light where like as great as he was, as good as a career as he had, he never won a championship. And right. I think for me with CP3 winning this championship, if he's able to win this year, all the, 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 he goes everywhere and he makes them winners. It will cement that with a championship. Like he always was building right. organizations. They were winning. They never got to the, to the promised land. They never won a championship, but then boom, he like cemented it at the end of his career with Phoenix. And I think Phoenix is going to benefit for a long time just because of Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul had the same effect Tom Brady had on the Bucks. When Tom Brady went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we talk about a team who wasn't a playoff team. It's not, he didn't have to step on the field and do, throw a single touchdown pass yet. And everybody in that organization believed like Tom Brady's here, that leadership, that, that winning mentality is like, we believe we're this good. You know, earlier in the, earlier uh, in the season, I forget who it was. I think it was Tory Craig in the interview was like, you know, what, what do you see the potential of this team? And he's like, championship. And now look, they're competing for a championship in the final. So I think that mantra of Chris Paul being such a great leader, I think this is really, Tom Brady to the Bucks, like I know he's not as great a basketball player as Tom Brady is football player. When we talk about Tom Brady being the GOAT, but just that mentality, as soon as he steps foot in the organization, everybody in there from coaches to general manager, the owner to every single player believes we really can win. Look at his path. I didn't mean to cut you off because that's a perfect analogy because he holds, that's a great comparison because he holds everyone accountable. There's a higher standard. Like you said, as soon as he enters the building, you know what kind of excellence he's demanding from the start. No matter what your reputation, no matter what your organization offered before, when he walks through that building, you know exactly what his expectations are, and he's going to hold everybody accountable. And that's why I said the Wi-Fi DNA, because some people can't connect with that. Some people, they don't want that. They don't want that type of pressure. They don't want that type of accountability. They don't want those expectations, because that's pressure, that's confrontation, it's expectations. It's A lot of people can't fit with that i mean him and blake griffin constantly butted heads did he elevate them certainly but him and blake griffin butt heads him and deandre jordan butt heads a lot of that rubs people michael jordan a lot of people did not like michael jordan but then the people that okay i understand if i do connect with this dude how much better he's going to make me and what this means for my career and then what do you know there's championships and that's what scotty pippen at first didn't really connect with jordan he's like yeah mm-hmm. he was kind of a jerk he was mean but then once scotty was kind of receptive to that knowledge all of a sudden, Scottie Pippen's the greatest Robin of all time. And so did Michael Jordan need Scottie Pippen? Absolutely. But it took that, oh, I need to connect with you to understand how much better we can be. And now, to your point, Chris Paul doing that with the Suns and winning a championship with the Suns, it, it literally, yeah, that would cement everything, to your point, to what he's done his whole career. Yeah, and so I just, I want him, like, in this matchup, I love the matchup because I don't have to root against Chris Paul. There's not really, I'm not the biggest of Giannis fans, so I want him to get this championship. I feel like there's certain guys to me that just, it's not they have to have one, it's they deserve one. And, you know, Chris Paul, to me, late in his career, uh, the way he's been playing, like, he deserves a championship. His career deserves to be cemented. You know, I wouldn't even be upset with now. There's a lot of money he would leave on the table with this decision. So I know it's not going to happen, but I wouldn't be upset if Phoenix won the championship and he retired. I know it'd be odd because he still shows he could play, but just to leave on that high horse, like Chris Paul deserves that. But then, you know, in today's league, he also deserves that farewell tour. I don't know. It won't be Kobe Bryant or probably even Dwayne Wade. Like 
just because of how they connected to the fans and, and things like that. I don't know if Chris Paul would be the same way. Right. Uh, but he just deserves that respect from at least every organization. Forget the fans, but he does deserve that tribute against every organization. And I think he's going to leave a winner. So I hope he does end up, you know, and he could win another one. You never know. He could make another move at 37 years old. And I know a lot of people are talking about the Knicks. He could do the same thing with the Knicks. And then what will be said? All the cap space they have, they bring in Chris Paul. They bring in somebody else alongside of them. They have assets to make a trade. You never know. And then he could do the same thing. Now, granted, if they, if they put other pieces around him, it probably won't solely be on his shoulders. But he could do the same thing with another organization. And you look at him as like a the most successful journeyman of all time. I feel like that's a disrespectful term calling him a journeyman just because like he's not leaving because he's necessarily unhappy or he's not leaving because teams don't want him where, you know, journeymen are just guys who find their way. So I would say the most, yeah, like he's always looking for new opportunity to elevate a team. Yep. And everywhere he goes, like everywhere he goes, he elevates that team. So I definitely think CP3 is going to have a huge legacy. And I just, I don't think he needs the championship, but I hope he wins the championship. Right. If only there was a like a really special, unique, raw talent that wanted to go to MSG. I wonder who that would be. Yeah. Uh, Zion, no. Him and Zion? Come on now. <laughs> On a pick and roll? That would be. What he would, do, what he would do with Zion Williamson in his career, like you said, talk about leaving an impact on his career after he's gone in MSG. Uh, obviously, that's wishful thinking, um, but I don't think it's a secret Zion wants to be a Nick or certainly wants at one point in time wants to play in front of that crowd more and more. Um, and Chris Paul's a really smart player who obviously, like you said, is an opportunist. He's going to seek the best opportunity. Um, what better way to finish your career in front of the New York crowd, uh, especially post career endorsements or post career deals that you can do in New York um, mm-hmm. and have a Zion. You already have a culture that's starting to be established now with coach Tibbs, a young team who would they have to give up to get Zion. I'm not sure, but I don't know. That's not something to rule out though. Yeah, it wouldn't be something to rule out because I said the two things, they have cap space and they have assets. And if Zion did, to me, it'd be kind of early to be saying like I won out for sure. I think towards that last year of his contract, if he says, hey, I'm going to entertain free agency, the Knicks are a destination, then you got to trade him. But right now, I don't think he has to be traded. But if it's projected, if you know for a fact Zion does not want to be there, the Knicks do have the assets. The only problem is I know he wants to play with R.J. Barrett. And I think R.J. Barrett has to be included in a Zion. So I don't know how satisfied he would be with that, with knowing like I'm getting traded to New York for the guy that they've said they've always wanted to play with each other. So I don't know how that would work out. I'll tell you what, though. I think this is becoming a trend. I think the younger generation understands, um, obviously, they've consumed more information, right, through social media, Mm -hmm. through the devices, watching TV. And so all the information they've consumed, I think they understand. I mean, look at the pressure Luka Donich and Dallas is already under, and he's in year three. And But we didn't really see that before. It took LeBron James seven years in Cleveland, and he left, and he was criticized for leaving that early. I think we're going to start to see players understand, wow, I need to win a championship. I want to play with better players. They're used to playing AAU. They're used to interacting with their teammates all the time. I think we're going to see the younger generation apply a lot more pressure about winning or leaving a lot earlier in their contracts than we're used to seeing because we're already talking about it with Zion. We've already put pressure with Luca. Now Trey's in a really good situation. So I don't think we're going to see it with Trey, but I think we're going to start to see it happen a lot more frequently with these younger players. 
Yeah, and I think the problem is is we've seen, and you brought up with LeBron, and there's plenty of players. Typically, those star players, they're strapped to that team for seven or eight years. Yep. Just based on the fact, after your rookie deal, they can give you the most money. And so when you're young, getting to, the, you know, by eight years in, especially these guys coming in at 19, they're just now hitting the prime of their careers after eight seasons. They're about 26 27 years old, ready to get to their prime. Now we got to start winning championships. I've had success as a young guy. But if these guys don't ask out, they kind of, it makes no sense to leave unless you're just that unhappy because you're leaving 50, 60, 70 million dollars on the table. And that just doesn't make that much sense to leave that. So now if you're asking out, if, if Zion gets traded, this, let's say he gets traded this offseason. Now he could play that year or two with the Knicks and now they could give him that yep. max money because they will own the bird rights to Zion that they would not own in just a regular free agency, which is why New Orleans could give up or could pay him so X amount of money that New York couldn't. But if you ask out now, they could own the bird rights to him and give him that same type of money that we would expect New Orleans to give him. This is such an interesting topic. And I know we're probably going off a little bit, but I want to talk about this because I think we're starting to see back in the day, your money that you made was through your NBA contract. Now, not only are the contracts bigger, not only, but they also have social media revenues. They also have more endorsements now. There's just way more opportunities to make more money, and there's more money in the world now. And so I think players aren't so beholden to just that NBA contract anymore because of how many streams of revenue they have. And so I think when you have a player, typically it's like, oh, man, no, I want the bag. But it's like, wait a second. Even if I go, if I'm Zion, even if I go to New York, let's just say I don't get the bag through my NBA contract right away like I would in New Orleans. But do you know how much money he would make off the court by being in New York? It would almost equivalent. Yeah. It would almost be equivalent to what he makes through his NBA contract if he got paid the big money. And he's already signed with Jordan. He already has the big contract with Jordan. So I just think players – and we're all obviously talking about the best young players. Obviously not all yeah. players have this option. But when you look at the best young players, I just think a lot of them are going to have the self-awareness now to be like, okay – because typically when you evaluate all-time greats, you go, they all go through this stage. They go through, let me enter the league and prove how great I am. Michael Jordan, early Bulls, obviously LeBron. Um, those are all-time greats. But let me show everyone why I'm worth the big contract. Then once I get that big contract, like you said, now let me win the championship. After you win the championship, you're on the back nine of your career. It's like, okay, let me think of post-career mobile stage. Endorsements, LeBron Space Jam, and whatnot. But I think we may see a new shift in that step, those steps where players say, okay, I know how great I am and I can already get a bag. So why don't I just advance to the win a championship, championship stage earlier in my career? And I think that's something to look out for. I think we may see that a lot more than people think. Yeah, and that's actually a good segue into what we wanted to talk about next. And it is the future stars of the NBA. And the reason I want to hit on this is a lot of superstars of today were injured in these playoffs. We've seen a series where Kyrie and James Harden go down. Uh, we see even a young star in the making with Jamal Murray tears his ACL prior to the playoffs. We thought we were going to see Chris Paul, you know, with the shoulder injury. We've seen Anthony Davis go down. We, You know, LeBron may not have been 100%. Um, shoot, everybody, Kawhi, Kawhi goes down and doesn't play for the Clippers. Donovan Mitchell ends up getting banged up at some point. Uh, Trey Young misses two games like and he's one of the future stars of the league. But we see that. But what it's been able to do is us true basketball fans and people who just love the game realize if you don't watch these playoffs and realize even at the end of the season, if you don't look back and say, man, this league is in good hands for at least another 10 to 15 years, 
because we're also coming into preparing for a loaded draft class of future stars potential coming in. To me, that tells me Trey Young is what, 22? Luka's like 22. Zion's 21, 22. Uh, even the smaller guys, RJ Barrett is like 21. You talk about Jason Tatum, like that list of top 25 under 25 is insane because all these guys are all stars right now. And we're talking about future superstars like in the next year or two. And then we had to me, the two, the three biggest people was Luca, Trey Young and Devin Booker. They really made a name for themselves, these playoffs. And it was based on performance. Uh, it was, it wasn't about team success. Yes. Phoenix is still in it. But if you look at what Trey Young did, I applaud him almost more than anybody because coming into the playoffs, like Atlanta didn't have a chance. The, the only chance people gave them was maybe against the Knicks. But against Philly, like Atlanta didn't have a chance in, in most people's eyes. Then definitely against, you know, Milwaukee, you're like, nah, they have zero chance. Like they got lucky. Philly crashed and burned with Ben Simmons. You know, Doc Rivers, this is what he does. So there was a lot of factors for you not to credit Atlanta. And then they go and they play so tough against Milwaukee and they leave us with this. What if Trey Young never got hurt, especially with the injury of Giannis transpiring? What if Trey Young didn't miss two games? What if he didn't get hurt at the end of the game that he did get hurt when he came out for, I think, about eight or nine minutes and that offense went dead? To me, that was a game changer. And I feel like they win that game had he not got injured in the middle of the game and missed those eight, nine minutes because that's when that offense went dead and it looked like they became too dependent. But for me, Trey Young solidified the once infamous trade, I guess you could say, on draft night of him for Luca because he was always going to get that comparison. But to see him be this successful, and I know that's one of the guys you're key on, I think he can put that. It was an even trade, great for both sides. I think it was a perfect fit. I think Luca fit better in Dallas, and I think Trey Young fit better in Atlanta. So what do you think about the future stars of the NBA, especially Trey Young in his coming out party this year and looks like a true superstar of the league in the future? Um, I agree with absolutely everything you said. Now, I'll start off by saying this. Um, Luka Doncic may be the next face of the NBA. He may be um, the next best player. Um, I believe I would take him over Giannis, especially going forward. Um, but what I will say is, because I am very high on Trey Young, I had the opportunity to interview Trey Young. And it was really weird because I was the youngest reporter in the room and he was a, he's a young player. So in a weird way, we kind of connected, related a little bit more. I'm like, okay, I get what right. you're saying. You're first in the locker room. I'm, this is my first time in the locker room. So it was pretty cool. But Trey Young, I think, will have the most success out of all of those players. And I think you may say Luka Donich is maybe the better player. Or you may want him more for your team, but Trey Young will have more success. Than, I, I think team success than Luka Donich will throughout his career. And that's not a shot at Luka. I just think mm -hmm. I'll use Rashad's term, magnetism. I think he's much easier to play with. Um, I think he obviously passes the ball exceptionally well. That's one thing we always think about is prolific scoring and shooting, but he's such a great passer. Um, I think Trey Young will be much easier to play with other stars. And I think as a young star, you're thinking to yourself, I love Atlanta already. Um, it's obviously ahead of the curve when it comes to music and fashion. And wait, mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a great city and I'm playing with an amazing young player with a great coach, Nate McMillan, it's starting to make sense. And to have a good front office now and Grant Hill's a part of it. I just think all of it is lining up for Trey Young to be the, I hate using the comparisons because I'm not saying he's Steph Curry, but Steph Curry and like a Kevin Durant type of thing where Steph Curry, you may think Kevin Durant's the better player, 
but Steph Curry had the more illustrious or successful career with his team. And I think mm-hmm. we're going to see that with Trey Young. And I think he'll have more success than all of these players as far as winning and his team winning than all of these young players. But it goes for young players. Oh, it's in great hands. Like, it's in tremendous hands. You have, like you said, the list of players that you have. Um, and I just think they're all so skillful. So these are the type of like careers that are going to age really well. Like Jason Tatum, so skillful at such a young age. Lucas, so skillful at such a young age. Trey Young, so skillful. And there's so many more players on that list. But to your point, it's a new chapter. And this is what I brought up. So if Devin Booker wins a championship, so it's like the page is flipping. So it's a new chapter in the NBA. And so you have this forefront of all these young players. And if Devin Booker, who I said is a true artist, if he wins a championship before any of them, how do we view Devin Booker amongst the young players? Because he'll have a ring before all of them. So Mm -hmm. how do we evaluate his career? So we may think Trey Young is the most, I think he's really special, may have the most success. Luka may be the next face of the NBA, but how are we going to break down and compare these players right now going forward? Because as their years progress, we're like, oh, Devin Booker's got a championship. They don't. So I think Devin Booker's going to have a head start who looked like he was always behind, right? Because the Phoenix Suns are so bad. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about him. If he wins a championship and he's still so young, it's like he's going to be at the forefront of this next generation because he has a championship really early. Like next year, we're going to be talking about, we'll talk about it, where Kawhi goes or Mm -hmm. LeBron James and the Lakers. Like the old guys still have a couple of years where they can win a championship. So Devin Booker will have a head start amongst all these young players because I believe he'll win a championship. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's something to point out is because I never thought about that as far as if Devin Booker, we talk about Chris Paul and then we talk about Phoenix Suns, Monty Williams, and we don't really necessarily bring up, and this is why I think Devin Booker gets like the Dame Lillard treatment. Yeah. It's like you just, because he doesn't have a story right now. He's just, he's Devin Booker. He's a great player. And so sometimes that gets pushed to the side because of narratives. And, and we talk about, you know, Chris Paul's legacy as we should. And then we talk about everything that Monty Williams has gone through. He's a coach who deserves nothing but the best and nothing but the, you know, most success being a great coach, a great man, you know, just kind of a, a role model type, you know, citizen. So he's somebody you always need to look up to. I think he's a player's coach. Uh, I think he connects with the players real well. Then you talk about Devin Booker, and it's like, everybody's like, what if Giannis does it? If he comes back and does it win the championship, what if Chris Paul wins the championship? What does that do? Right. Nobody says, well, where do, where do we place Devin Booker? Because everything is about all time for people. Well, what's his legacy? Where does he rank amongst these players all time? You know, because we're talking about Giannis. Can he be an all-time great uh, can CB3 cement his legacy as an all-time great? They talk about the point guards. So it's like, where does Devin Booker, and like you said, he's ahead of the curve of that whole list of top 25, under 25. Yeah. He's ahead of the curve of all of them because he has a championship. So now you're kind of in a sense, like you said, Luka will probably be the best player. It's still tough to see because I get exactly, to me, he's very James Harden-ish. And mm-hmm. I, I don't like the player comparisons, but what I mean, he and even kind of LeBronish, he Damn. holds the ball too long. He's very, very ball dominant. Trey Young to me isn't. I know there was some issues, alleged issues in the beginning of the year between him and John Collins, and John Collins just felt like Trey Young was getting too much attention, you know, holding the ball too long. And you seen like it was the coaching change that changed everything. Right. And like you said, it's not that he is the next Steph Curry, but Everything about the Atlanta Hawks tell me, give me everything about the Golden State Warriors vibe. Like the way they built their organization, they've hit 
on pretty much every draft pick so far. And we talk about their success minus DeAndre Hunter, minus Cam Reddish for most of these playoffs until the last two games. Uh, Bogdanovich playing on one knee in a sense. Like we're talking about this team with missing some key pieces. Um, Okongwu having to play some minutes in the playoffs that he hasn't, he's not used to playing, having to play some real key minutes in key situations that he's not really used to playing. And he stepped up and played pretty good. So that looks good for the future. And so I think Trey Young, it's just everybody just plays well around Trey Young. And I think attitude wise and his outlook, he may win a championship. So he won't get looked in that same light. But I think he's going to be like the Russell Westbrook of these young guys. He's going to be the villain. I think he's going to be the villain. I think he's going to be the peep, the, you know, ever since what he did in New York. And I think he, he embraces the villain role. I think he's okay with being the bad guy because he knows how great he could be. So I don't think he's going to be that loved guy like Steph Curry was. I think he's more so that guy like Russell Westbrook. You love him. You hate him. You appreciate his greatness. But yeah, like he, he's, he's real, he's real chippy. And those, those guys become the villains. But, and even like you look at Jason Tatum and you like, oh man, they got a new coach now. You know, they they might be setting a new foundation around him and Jalen Brown. You look at Ben Simmons and we hope Philly's the answer or he needs to be in another situation. But all these guys, like you wouldn't be surprised. All of them have potential to be the best player in the league, you know, in the very near future. So it's, that's what makes it so tough is when the torches were passed, we started seeing like it went from Jordan to Kobe to LeBron. But ever since LeBron has held the torch for so long, it's never, we wanted it to be Steph. Uh, we thought it could be KD. Never, never really tried to give it to Kawhi just because he's not a character. He's not really. The face of the league type of guy. He just goes out there, plays ball and does his thing. But now if you're looking at who does the torch get passed to, you're making arguments. It's not clear cut for Luca. He could be the face of the NBA, but it would be like, did he, did he rightfully deserve it when you have Trey Young over here being successful when Devin Booker is the first champ? And so that's what's key to me is what, what, what is to say about Devin Booker if he wins the championship? That's what I'm saying. And I'll say a couple things. Uh, I mean, it may be a good thing that there's not a clear-cut face because you're going to get a very competitive league where they're all racing to the finish line. And I think that could be really beneficial for the NBA, fan bases. Everyone has an opportunity. If you're rooting for your team, if you're rooting for a small market team, you have an opportunity. And people think I'm – I don't mean to be like, a, oh, I told you so whenever I show my date stamps, but I told people that this Hawks team is the team of the future in the East. And I said it even when they didn't make the playoffs last year. I'm like, this is going to be the team. Cam Reddish is going to pop. And we're already finally starting to see flashes of Cam Reddish coming off the bench, hitting the record threes off the bench for Atlanta. They're going to be the team of the future. And they don't even have another star like free agent yet. So when they get a star free agent, if they're, but the thing is, they're not banking on that. They're not relying on that. They have a young core that they all completely developed together. And that's what makes it special. And as far as Devin Booker, Something interesting to think about, too, is if he wins a championship and he remains in Phoenix, I think he's already going down as the greatest Phoenix Suns of all time. So you talk about all-time lists. If he stays there and he remains there, not only does he have the longevity with the team, the scoring accolades with the team, 70-point game, he'll have a championship with the team. So even though he's part of the young generation, where do we put him all-time? All-time, he could be the greatest Suns of all time, Suns player of all time. Yeah, and that would be that would be like a whole – that would be a whole conversation, but it would be if he stays in Phoenix and, and at least for the longevity of his career for most of it, maybe till he gets older, at least two contracts at the very least, he could be 
because he has something that a lot of the Charles Barkley, Dan Marley, Steve a Nett. lot of those guys. Yeah, Steve Nett, they don't have championships. And and Devin Booker has one. He yeah. has that champ. And like you said, we're gonna see we're only seeing these guys get better. So it's like we look at how great he is now when he's the future star. But when once they hit that true superstar status, because right now they're borderline all NBA players, a couple of them because of the older guys, you know, as they age, though, these are the next first team all NBA guys, you know, that we're arguing about. These are the all star team captains that we're arguing about. These are the guys that run the league. And so with Devin Booker being ahead of everybody. It essentially everybody could be playing catch up because it starts with a championship. It kind of, it did that. when you seen D Wade win a championship, it was like, well, yeah, LeBron came to Miami, but like his contemporary has something he don't have. And he kind of came to Miami and learned how to be a champion. It was his friend, you know, he linked up with Bosch, but it was like, if you look at it, they came and joined D Wade. Now granted LeBron was the best player on that team, but they joined D Wade because he had something from the same draft class that they didn't have. And that was a championship. That was the culture within the organization. There was a certain way the organization was ran. They didn't have that. And so with Devin Booker with that championship, you could see people playing catch up and you also could see people being very interested. I know Phoenix isn't a great destination, but if Devin Booker there and they continue to build the team the right way, you start seeing guys who are coming up short. Some of these young guys be like, you know what? I'm going to get with Devin Booker, especially if he gets to a Western Conference Finals again. If he shows this wasn't a what some people say a fluke year if he still has playoff success, getting out of the first round consistently or whatever. Some guys might want to join him just for the simple fact he could be that sales pitch to get guys into Phoenix. And we're not used to that. We don't see Phoenix get a lot of free agents. That's why it's so weird to have like a Chris Paul there. That's why, you know, just a year ago, people were like, get Devin Booker out of Phoenix. He needs to go. And then the follow up year, they're in the NBA finals. So it, it's, it's all so weird. But speaking of destinations, Kawhi Leonard. I don't think Kawhi leaves. I, I really don't. I don't see a reason why. I think the Clippers show everything. They showed enough to me, minus Kawhi, that he should look and he should in his head have that. Well, if I played, I think everything changes. Like, I think he should be like, if I played, they could have won a championship. And I know you never want to talk about hypotheticals, but when you're a player, you do look at that when you make decisions. Like, well, had I been in this game, you know, had I been in this series, we probably win a championship. You look at if They'd be, they'd be the healthiest team right now alongside Phoenix. And that was a dog fight. No Kawhi Leonard. So you think about, you would think you would imagine that Kawhi would be the difference and they could end up beating Phoenix ultimately. And it's not to take away from Phoenix, but it's just when you're a star player like that, you do have to take that in consideration. But if Kawhi was to leave, what would be some of the best des- destinations for him? If you want to use realistic as far as cap space and stuff, but just, if Kawhi was to leave the Clippers, what would be a couple teams that you just would ideally be like, he goes there, that's the perfect fit, and it, it could equal a championship? What comes to mind is uh, what, what the two people are saying is going to be a Dallas and a Miami. He fits in Dallas. If you have a Luka Donich, a young star, you know he can do the heavy scoring load. Kawhi needs certain games off for his body. You know Luka knows how to carry a team. You know Luka knows how to be, as Rashad would say, a dual forward and be the system of a team. I'm going to just throw a sneaky one out there, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. Obviously, we talk about Miami, Miami's culture, a lot of two-way players, a steady front office, got Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra. But I don't know what you would be able to give up for him. You don't want to break up your young core. You don't want to get rid of Bam. Um, Obviously, they're kicking themselves for not giving up Hero for Harden. 
But I think Golden State is a really interesting one because Golden State is really aggressive. They're really good at making moves when no one expects them to make a move. Um, I always said well businesses, organizations, they do their work in silence. You don't get any leaks. You don't get any reports. All of a sudden, the trade just happens. Um, mm-hmm. Everything happens for a reason. It's the whys. Why is it getting leaked? Who is it getting leaked by? Um, when is it getting leaked? All these leaks and rumors are coming from somebody because they're trying to push an agenda. They're trying to push a narrative. So all of a sudden, there's a leak about Dallas. Mark, I'm not saying it is, but Mark, you be like, hey, leak this. We want to let Kawhi know. So there's, mm-hmm. But Golden State hasn't done anything. There's been nothing. I mean, you may get NBA Twitter saying, all right, this would be pretty cool, but you're not getting any leaks there. But I yeah. think that front office with Steve Kerr, you have a Steph Curry, you have a Klay Thompson, you throw a Kawhi Leonard, a two-way player in that system to play your defense, to obviously get you your buckets. Kawhi Leonard is an assassin. He's not somebody you want to build around, and that's not a shot at him. Everywhere that he's gone and had success, he's not your guy that's going to create a culture. He's not a vocal leader. Um, availability is the best ability. He's not always available. But if you put him in a place where we just need you to get a bucket and play defense and just hoop, you don't got to do anything else, that's when he's the most effective. He went to the Clippers organization who don't doesn't have an established culture. So that's why it's so chaotic. You're expecting Kawhi to set a culture, but that's not who he is. He's not a culture guy. In San Antonio, Duncan was your culture. Popovich was your culture. Tony Parker was your culture. You go to Toronto, Kyle Lowry was your culture. Uh, the GM was your culture. We just need you to be the best player and get a bucket. Clippers didn't have a culture, and that's why it's so chaotic because they're expecting something from Kawhi that he's not going to give you. But mm-hmm. if you go to Golden State, what is Golden State known for? Their culture. They already have an established yeah. culture. So if you go to Golden State and they could trade a Wiggins, they may be able to trade a Draymond, Wiseman, some picks. Like They have capital. So they have a lot of assets that could be very attractive to a Clippers organization. Obviously, if you're the Clippers, you don't want to like send him to a Western Conference team. Or are you like if you're Kawhi Leonard, obviously a lot of Western Conference teams will be hesitant to do business with another Western Conference team. But if Kawhi Leonard uses leverage and he has the ability to go somewhere, I think that's a very interesting spot is Golden State. Because Dallas doesn't have an established culture. They're creating one. They have a new right. coach. Um, obviously, the front office is kind of getting formed again. Miami has one. But Golden State, I think, makes so much sense for him, uh, for Golden State, for winning basketball. He Obviously, California. Golden State, to me, is a really sneaky one for Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, and with and, and the key is like with Kawhi being a free agent, he could go wherever. But if he oh, just that's right, you don't even have yeah, to like you, for him. Yeah, you don't have to trade for him. Now oh. Golden State would based on Golden State would have it have to be a sign and trade situation just right. to be able to bring Kawhi because they have Steph and Clay on max contracts, they have Draymond Green on that max contract, and they have a- Andrew Wiggins on an expensive contract. But if Kawhi is like, you know, as a free agent, I want to go to Golden State, they're going to have to make a sign and trade happen just to make it happen. So Golden State wouldn't even have to give up as much. Wiggins would be gone. He'd have to be because the contract. And maybe you even throw in a pick or something like that here. But I said that, you know, I said Golden State has the most capital to make the most moves, period. I've said that ever since the draft lottery came out. I'm like, if you look at what they got, and that could be scary because there's there's some expectations about unhappy stars. We don't know what Kawhi is going to do. There's some expectations about is Dane going to want out? Is Bradley Bill going to want out? If Bill wants out, Westbrook might be available. And like Golden State, Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons on the trade block. And Golden State could have their hands on any of those guys that they want because of their capital. For me, I agree. 
everything you said about Golden State. They're 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 on my like top five. Um, working on an article right now about his top five destinations if he leaves, and Golden State is on there. I think Portland makes sense, and it's the reason I say Portland makes sense. I know he's if he leaves, I don't think it's about home anymore, and I know Portland is like up and tucked away. But what better to say to Damian Lillard that we want you and we're committed to winning than going to add Kawhi Leonard? And the reason I said Portland is it's not really it's about keeping Damian Lillard. But I had to put Portland in there because I have the New York Knicks in there. And my my thinking of the New York Knicks is they they have the assets to make a trade and they have the money to sign a big time free agent. So what they could do is sign a big time free agent and Kawhi Leonard and they can make a trade. And my thing would be. You know, test the what, test the waters and see if you could get Damian Lillard from Portland to New York. So I'm like, if I would team Dame and Kawhi in New York, why would I not say that, you know, Portland would be a really good destination for him? I know they have a new head coach, but it's a head coach who was just on the bench with him at the Clippers in Chauncey Billups. So there's some true familiarity there. I think him and Dame would fit very well together. They both have that dog mentality. It's Dame's team. He is the leader. So Kawhi can just, that's another situation where Kawhi could just go play defense. Defense was like their number one problem. Offense was never the issue, but defense was. And so what better than to get the the best two-way player in the game? Bring them here, show your star, uh, Damian Lillard, that you're committed to winning. And then you get a Kawhi Leonard, who this would be the best opportunity as far as fit. And to show you, Dame, that we're we're we want to win. We're going to spend all the money we can to win. And that means bringing Kawhi to Portland. I'd love him in Miami. I'm a Miami Heat fan. So I'd take him. I'm not the biggest Kawhi Leonard fan. Right. Uh, he just, I like the guys with personalities and stuff, but I think he would fit, but I don't know if he's the, he fits, but I don't know if he's the answer. What, what Miami was lacking was not a Kawhi Leonard because they have Jimmy Butler. And yes, he is not as great as Kawhi. But they were lacking that true point. I think they were more lacking a point guard, a guy who can make plays with the ball in his hands for everybody. I think they were kind of missing that. Now, granted, if Kawhi comes to Miami, they are a championship contender. But I don't know if that move is the move that puts them above Brooklyn. I don't know if it puts them ahead of Milwaukee still. And I don't know if it puts them ahead of Philly. Even if Philly stands pat, you still have to look at the success and the way the team is built. Kawhi would be a great addition and you put them right there in that conversation. But I still think they're like that fourth best team in the Easter conference, especially when you look at how you match up. Kawhi is going to sit some games. So you may not be, you're not going to go, you know, win 60 plus games. Like that shouldn't be the expectation because he might only play. You might only have Kawhi for 62 games. So now you're going into the first round and you could be matched up against a Brooklyn team at, you know, the four or five seed, not saying that Brooklyn, but they might load manage with seeing that Kyrie Irving went down, you know, in the series, James Harden went down a minute into the series against Milwaukee to prevent that. They might start low managing because the championship is more important than the regular season to a lot of these players and a lot of these organizations that only have these guys for a couple of years. So I think Portland and the Knicks would be, I think Golden State will ultimately be the best fit when you just talk about all he has to do is go there and hoop. He don't have to be a leader. He don't have to talk. He just plays. And he's, it's a built around a great organization, a great coach, a great GM. It's in state of, it's in the state of California, up north in, in San Francisco. It's not even in Oakland in any, anymore. It's the better city up north, um, in the Bay area in San Francisco. So I love the Golden State fit more than anything. 
especially if you compare him with Steph and Clay. Hopefully you wouldn't have to give up Clay in a sign and trade, but I know if it would be, it'd be a business move. Clay's been injured. We don't know how, you know, we don't know how healthy he's going to come back. So that's the only question. But yeah, I do. I 100% agree with you in that Golden State. And then Dallas, I don't know about, he fits in Dallas, but I don't know how well he fits alongside Luka because Luka's, he holds the ball so long. And I don't know how effective Luka would be without the ball in his hands. He's not the, if Kawhi's bringing the ball up the court, which he's not a point guard type, but if the ball is in his hands late in Golden State, I got Steph and Clay who could come off screens to get open and get their own shot. I don't think I have that in Luka. And so if I have the ball in Luka and I'm depending on him to get it to Kawhi, I don't know how well that works, especially with Luka being young and being the guy. Sometimes as a young guy, this year, team right. is your voice. It's tough to pass up that opportunity and be like, oh, no, I'm going to let Kawhi be the man right now. Because your full focus isn't that championship mentality, I don't think, when you're that young. Like, I don't think Luka's like, it's championship or bust for me coming into a season where I think Kawhi, it is that kind of, he's at that point in his career where it is that, because he's looking for, to cement a legacy. He's already won two championships. He's already won two finals MVPs. So now once you get a taste of that championship, you always want to get back there. So I don't know if Luka and Kawhi, they'd be an odd fit. If they fit well, then it could be very dangerous for the league. But I could also v- see in it be where it'd be one of those, the other side of how we looked at can Harden and Kyrie fit. We didn't know because of the way they play, will their styles right. fit. Ultimately it did, but had it not, that would have been like detrimental to the team. So that's the only question I have with Dallas. But yeah, I love your Golden State take. Yeah, no, it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, this is what makes the NBA the most talk about because I could definitely see Portland. If, if, if Damian Lillard gets the call, hey, Kawhi's going to be able to come here. He's not leaving Portland. If you get the Knicks, obviously the Knicks, look how the Knicks were a really great story this year, but they weren't a championship team. And look how much they were talked about. So if you get a Knicks that has championship level contention, oh, like the the NBA is in love with that because anytime the Knicks is good, the NBA is good. So right. any, anywhere Kawhi Leonard goes, it's going to add another element, another layer to any team. It's just figuring out what he wants to do because I don't think he, I don't think he truly knows yet. I, I really don't. I think he's probably going to sit back. We see how long he took to make his decision to go um, to the Clippers originally. We thought it was the Lakers. We thought he was staying in Toronto. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden he picks the Clippers. I think he's just a very different guy. And I, my heart tells me he stays. Him and PG run it back. And Ballmer, we saw what Ty Lue can do. Um, I think they make slight tweaks to the roster, slight adjustments. But they're still going to have the same issue. It's availability. And so yeah. no matter where he goes, there's going to be more questions than answers until we see it play out. Yeah, and that that's the only thing about Kawhi is it's going to cost you as any organization. And some organizations are ran like – that's why I see him. He fits Miami and the culture, but I don't know if they're okay with the low management thing. Right. I, but the the one thing I will say about Miami is we've heard Pat Riley say he wants a championship. He knows time is ending as far as, you know, uh, being the, being the general manager and, and kind of his time around the league is coming up. And so I think Pat Riley will at this point in time, so late into his career, I think he will give and take a little bit to get that championship. And if that meant getting Kawhi there and, and letting him load manage, even though that's something you don't really believe in, you don't really have your guys do it. This past season was the first time we've ever really seen that around the Miami heat organization. And that had everything to do with COVID and the quick turnaround for playing in the finals 
it was just an odd year for everybody. So you had to give and take anyway, because it, you know, you had to make different changes for some unusual circumstances, but I don't think Miami is that, you know, loan management culture guys play. They're in the best shape of their life in Miami. They, they run, you know, a lot of players come out of there and be like, when I was in Miami, that was the best shape I was ever in old, young. It doesn't matter. That was the hardest I ever had to work as far as physical shape. They focus on that. They focus on being able to endure full seasons. You don't see a lot of injuries come out of Miami. A lot of Miami players, stars, LeBron never got hurt. D Wade's knees just gave out, but that was just his body, you know, breaking down on him, but he never had like too many major injuries. He had the, the dislocated shoulder at one point, but Chris Bosch never went down with really many injuries until the blood clot situation. Jimmy Butler got a little banged up, but it was a quick turnaround season. Again, you know, this was a season of injuries like crazy to key players. But a lot of these guys don't really be hurt when they play in Miami. So I think that would even be a pitch for Kawhi is like, look, we have arguably the best medical staff in the league. We have to because look at our track record. Nobody really, you know, has long injuries. We don't we're not an organization where guys go out with ACLs and hamstrings all the time. Like, you know, we keep guys in the best shape of their life. And so I think that would be a pitch because we know Kawhi as he hasn't come out. He doesn't come out and say anything. But like you said, the leaks come from somewhere and word has got around that he's a little unhappy with the medical staff with the Clippers. But Ballmer has so much money, he will fire all of them and buy the best. He will buy a championship. And if that means getting the best of the best, everything, I think he'll do it. That's why I ultimately I don't think Kawhi, I'm with you. I don't think Kawhi leaves. I don't think there's a reason. I, I think they show a reason for him to stay and even keep Reggie Jackson, keep, you know, Marcus Morris around and build, make slight tweaks, maybe get a little bit younger when you talk about some of your role players. Obviously, they're aging. Maybe even keep Boogie around to see if he's, you know, stays in shape to play, you know, last the whole playoff. So I, I think he stays, but I do love all those destinations if he leaves. So, before we close out, I just want to, you know, talk about the finals a little bit. We, we've kind of tapped into it, talking about Chris Paul. But we have the Bucks versus the Suns, as everybody knows. So, Max, I just want to get your takes on what do you expect out of this finals? Because this isn't a finals casual NBA fans are excited about. Two small market teams, um, not really big market superstars. I know Giannis, he, people are getting frustrated with Giannis. I know he's hurt. So we're hoping he returns, but people, Giannis is that superstar that's frustrating. You know, one day you're all in on him. The next day he kind of disappoints you. So what do you think about this finals matchup? Because some people think it's bad for the NBA, two small market teams. I think it's great. It shows the young guys and it gives another chance, maybe a passing of the torch, maybe, you know, taking the crown as you would say for Giannis. But what, what are your expectations coming into this series? I think it's actually tremendous for the NBA. Um, I think that's I think it's actually really good that you're having these two teams go. I'm excited for the Suns more than anything, just because of Chris Paul, D Book, and um, Coach Monty Williams. Before I give my prediction, <clears throat> there's only Kendrick Perkins said this. Um, there's only a three. There's like three superstars in the league, and that is LeBron, Steph, and KD. The rest are stars. Now Giannis to me is not a superstar. I think he's a star, but I think he has the accolades of a superstar. So we all like two MVPs, a defensive player of the year, and obviously a freak of nature. But I don't think he's a superstar. And I think this playoffs, it's so weird because this is the furthest he's ever been. But in a weird way, it's like the most exposed he's ever been. And so Mm -hmm. 
this was his this is his championship this is his path kevin durant obviously playing on a hurt brooklyn team um lebron's out of the playoffs obviously james harden being out of the playoffs Kawhi leonard is out of the playoffs all the people that you didn't think that he could get through he was able to get through or not play because of and i'm not making an excuse for brooklyn like milwaukee still had to show up and play it was a seven game series but obviously if james harden and Kyrie irving are 100 percent, they beat milwaukee um didn't have to play against joel and beat in the paint so everything is pointing for Giannis to get to this point and win. But I think Phoenix wins in six. And I think they win in six, uh, six and maybe even five. I'm going to say six just because it's the finals players to play really hard. Um, but Phoenix wins this series in six. I think Chris Paul will be the smartest player on the court every time he's on it. I think um, Coach Monty Williams is going to coach circles around Coach Budenheiser. I think he just – they're a much more well – they're a much well-coached team – Obviously, you have Chris Paul, you have D Book, you have DeAndre Ayton. The role players are playing. I'm going to go Phoenix in six, but I think Giannis, in a weird way, needs to go back to the drawing board. And I think it, him losing, like he needed. Now, look, think about this: if they lose Game Seven against Brooklyn without a Harden, without well, Harden was playing, but obviously not 100. Without Kyrie Irving, we're having a completely different conversation. We're talking about okay, Budenheiser's going. Um, we know Giannis. Okay, look, what are you doing? We need you to play off the ball. We need you to play more in the paint. We And I said this to Ryan Hollins. I was like, when he brings up the ball, it's easier. It's much easier for the defense to understand what they have to do to stop him. But when he, when he plays through the pick and roll, he plays in the post, it makes them play honest. And that's when he's most effective when he's, when he's in the paint. But when you're bringing up the ball, it's like when LeBron had Rondo. LeBron's not going to bring up the ball because if you bring up the ball, what is Rondo going to do? You're taking away from Rondo. Rondo's mm-hmm. at his strength is when he has the ball in his hands. So right. Giannis needs to let Holiday, let Middleton handle the ball. You play your strength, which is in the paint. But because they're winning, I've, we're starting to see more of it, though. But he's shooting like 3%. It's like something insane, like 33% outside of three feet. That's not yeah. acceptable, especially if you're trying to be the best player in the world. So he needs to reevaluate what he is. Because clearly settling for jump shots, playing where you're the ball-dominant guy is not who you are. But he's had the success where he's going to the finals. And so I don't think – I think it's going to take a loss for him to have to go to the drawing board. And I think Giannis can improve and he will improve. But I think Milwaukee was one loss away from blowing the whole thing up and reevaluating how they're going about doing this. So I'm sorry, I know it's a little bit of a rant. But in, in general, I got Phoenix and six. I think Chris Paul wins his first ring, which I can't be happy for him. And I think Devin Booker gets the finals MVP uh, because I just don't think anybody is going to be able to slow him down. I know you can throw Holiday at him. I know you can throw certain people at him. But I think he's a true artist. And I said this is only like a handful of artists in the NBA. Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant, late great Kobe Bryant's the face of an artist where every time he went down the floor, it's a blank canvas. Like he is just, the defender is not really his opponent. It's what he's going to create. It's like, his imagination right. just flows. He doesn't really care who's in front of you. He's just trying to figure out what he's going to do. Kyrie Irving has this quality. Jamal Crawford had that quality. Devin Booker has that quality. And you're only going to hold down an artist for so long. Like, we didn't really see him fully blossom in the Western Conference Finals. Like, he put up numbers, but we were expecting – like, he just never found his groove. You could say it was the nose. Patrick Beverly was obviously agitating him. I think we're going to start – like, we're going to just see him on full display have a tremendous series and get Finals MVP. Um, which I said, I still think Chris Paul is the most valuable player on this team, but Devin Booker is the best player on this team. So I'm going to go Phoenix in six. D-Book will be my finals MVP. Yeah, I mean, so 
I, I will say Phoenix in seven. Okay. I, I, I'm not even sure Milwaukee. I'm not even sure Giannis plays game one, let alone. I don't know if he plays the first game, let alone game two. I mean, the first game is Tuesday. If he does play, I'm not sure if he'll ever be 100% in this series. And if he does, I don't think it'll be till after the first two games um, in Phoenix. So I think he'll go home and hopefully be as close to 100%. I mean, none of these guys are 100%. Chris Paul was able to have a break. He, you know, he's banged up. You get banged up by this point. You know, uh, LeBron had said it before. By the time you get here, none, nobody's 100% coming into the playoffs. None of these players, this isn't usually the best they felt throughout the season, but this is the most motivated you are because now it's not just a boring old Tuesday night that we play against the Sacramento Kings and this game doesn't matter. Now every game matters every minute, every second counts. So you have a different motivation. So you may even come off healthier than what you really are. I'm going to say Phoenix in seven. I think I agree with every point you said. And I also, I just want to hit on, even though it's a little sidetracked from the finals, but what you said about Giannis not being a superstar, I've been preaching that all year. And I heard Kendrick Perkins actually say, you know what you said, that there's only three. I think there's four, and the reason why is because my definition pretty much was the same as his, but I know he's not, I, he's like me, he's not high on Kawhi, and neither am I, but based on my definition, I got to give him, I think Kawhi's a superstar also, because to me, I think a superstar is the best player on a team that could get you a championship, and those four guys have been the only players in the league right now that have done that. Uh, Steph Curry was the best team player on his team when they won the championship. LeBron... Obviously, every championship he got, he was the best player on his team. Kevin Durant went to Golden State. I know we could talk bad about it all we want, but he was the best player on that Golden State team when they won the championship. And then Kawhi Leonard, uh, even if you don't want to necessarily give it all to him in the San Antonio, but he did it in Toronto. He was the best player on his team and they won the championship. Sure. To me, that's what makes a true superstar. We talk about accolades. We talk about skill level also, but then, you know, with with him being a multi-time all-star. I know he doesn't have MVPs, but like you said, Giannis has accolades of a superstar. Two MVPs already, defensive player of the year. He has everything but a championship at this point. I mean, he doesn't have a scoring title, but we don't expect Giannis to lead the league necessarily in scoring. But he has the two MVPs, you know, team captain for the uh Easter Conference All-Stars uh twice two years in a row. So we kind of expect you know him to be considered a superstar but to me he's just not I don't think he could be the best player on a championship team now granted like you said I think if he does win it and he wins this finals MVP based on my definition he would now have to be considered a superstar but I still don't know if I could do that based on the substance of his road to the finals and it's not an excuse the healthiest teams are there right now and obviously Giannis's health is up in limbo but so far the healthiest teams are there Phoenix as good as they are, they were the healthiest team, you know, in, throughout these playoffs. Uh, Milwaukee, up until game five when Giannis got hurt, they were the healthiest team, or game four, they were the healthiest team in these playoffs. And so now they're here, and now they're matching up. And right. so it's not excuses, but at the same time, just to me, Giannis still won't fit that criteria because he benefited from, I mean, even if Kyrie doesn't go down, like you said, we're having a whole different conversation. It's not even about James Harden. It's about Kyrie Irving. They were down. Harden goes out in what 30 seconds of game one. They're up 2-0. Brooklyn's up 2-0 with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving goes out and that changes the whole aspect of the series. And like you said, I don't think Budenholzer is going to make the right adjustments over Monty Williams. I think Monty Williams is going to outcoach him 
And like you said, run circles around him. I don't think Booty Holzer is a great coach. And I still think, I never want to say this, but it, it, it happens. I think Booty Holzer looks at A, Giannis being hurt could be like a, a blessing in disguise for him because that might have saved his job. Kyrie mm. and Harden getting hurt definitely like that is a definite saved his job. But if it's championship or bust, if Milwaukee really looks and like even if they win the championship, if they really look in the mirror and be like, man, through all this, we got through it, but this can't be a consistent thing because we expect the next season everybody to come back healthy. We expect moves to be made. We don't know if Damian Lillard is going to be in Portland, which means he could be over in the Easter Conference in New York. We don't know what could happen. He could be coming in your conference, and now you have another team. Miami, we expect them to make some kind of moves. We don't know what, but we expect them to be better than last year. These coach, the Indiana Pacers, you know, got a new coach. So we expect them to be a little better, so they may not be an easy out in the playoffs. The Knicks may not be an easy out in the playoffs. Obviously, they struggle with Atlanta through injuries. So you look at all these teams that you have to compete with, and I still think even if they, if they win a championship, I don't know if Budenholzer's job should be secured. But I do think the injury to Giannis is a blessing in disguise because if he doesn't come back the first game or two and they lose this series in six or seven, as an organization, you can look and say, had we had Giannis, this wouldn't have happened. No matter how bad Budenholzer looks, uh, you know, head-to-head against Monty Williams, he'll have that excuse. And so I never say you look at injuries and be happy. But that's one of those he might be wiping the sweat off his brow and be like, you know, this would be a whole different conversation. And I'll probably get at least one more year of that benefit of the doubt. And he might have his job secure for three years for the next three years if they win a championship. But it also could put him right back on the hot seat next year, because if they win a championship, now you raise the bar, you set a standard. And so the expectation is going to be championship or bust from here on out and anything, a first round knockout. A second round, not looking competitive, now looks like, hold on, you just won a championship. You look at Miami, but they had those, there's substance behind every championship. There's substance behind the end of everybody's season. So I do fully agree with the fact that Milwaukee, they, they benefited from injuries. They benefited from being the healthiest team. Injuries are part of the game. You never can knock them. But that does create substance on this run that Milwaukee is going on. But I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to go Phoenix in seven. And I'm going to even go as far as Chris Paul is the finals MVP. And I think it'll be a neck and neck situation where you don't know if it's Chris Paul or if it's Devin Booker. And then I think in game seven, Chris Paul puts his stamp on the game, on the series, gets his first championship. And I think his game seven performance will give him that edge over Devin Booker to win that finals MVP. Cause I think it's just the perfect storybook ending, not only get his first championship, um, but to get the finals MVP, and I think he'll do it by performance, not just benefit of narrative. I think Chris Paul will earn the finals MVP. And I think it could be in, if it goes seven, I think it could be because of his big time performance that he's going to put on in game seven, kind of like we've seen in game six with the Clippers. He put on a show. He showed us he still could do it when he needs to. So I'm going to go Phoenix in seven and I'm going to go Chris Paul wins the finals MVP. That's big time. No, I'm excited. It's going to be a good finals. And, like, it, I think I do believe it's good for the NBA. And um, I agree. So, we'll see. If Chris Paul gets it, I'll be happy. So, either way. But, I, yeah, we both rolling with Phoenix. Yeah, 100%. So, Max, I appreciate your time today. So, I give you the floor. Uh, as always, let us know where we can follow you. Any projects you got coming up. The floor is yours. Um, as far as projects, I'm, like, pretty, I'm, I'm really close to a couple things. I can't even announce yet. But there's, like, 
one thing I've noticed, especially in this business and in this industry, is there's so much work that's behind the scenes. And so, like, there's so like I put out a lot of content, and I try my best to put out content all the time. But I've been so I've been doing more off the scenes that can't be announced just yet. But I think it'll be announced within this month. And so, if it's announced within this month, it'll be some really, really, really big news that I've been working on for over a year now. So if that happens. I'll be happy to announce that. But as far as where you can find me, Instagram, Twitter is Max Van Auken, V-A-N space A-U-K-E-N. That's where my podcast name is at. My name is my brand. So Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, YouTube. Um, you can check out my interviews on YouTube as well. You're on there. Um, and that's, like I said, type in my name and all that stuff pops up. So I appreciate you having me. Yeah, 100%. And I like that. My name is my brand. Like, I really like that. You might need to trademark that because I don't think nobody else has that. So that might need to be something to be considered uh to get trademarked. But, you know, as always, I appreciate you for coming on, bro. You know, you're a friend of the show. You know, we talk on Twitter all the time. We interact. So sometimes our interactions are a lot better than, than the shows we produce. But, you know, I appreciate your time and you coming on. Uh I got to get you on as many times before you become big time. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, I, you, actually, like, I talked to him. <laughs> we're, we're the next wave. So one thing, like I said, you know, it's the next chapter in the NBA. It's the next chapter in media. And so we got to be at the forefront of it. Yeah, 100%, bro. Well, you keep doing great things over there. And as for me, everybody, you know, follow me up at Flames Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Mo underscore Cheese 15 on Twitter, Instagram. Wherever you're listening, I appreciate you. If you're tuning in on YouTube, I definitely appreciate you. And on that note, up in Flames is out.